To the Hey Miss podcast. This is Mary and a very horse Dee and we are doing another episode of our new series, Stories of the Storyteller. Yay. And this episode, I'm going to be telling Dee Dee all about Stephen King. I really love Stephen King. Well, like I said to you just before, also my, I apologize for my voice because it will probably it's a bit creepy. It's, it's hilarious, um, and this is good compared to what it was like before. Really? <laughs> yeah, well, when I said we can't record last week because this is an improvement. Yeah, yeah. I did send you a recording. It was very like. hoarse. So, um, yeah, I, I love Stephen King. I love his books. I've liked most of the interpretations of the movies. Um, but, yeah, I don't really know anything about him, so I'm looking forward to it. He's and very, also, I'm looking forward to not have to talk about him. Very, very interesting. <laughs> so, I'm kind of going to start off talking about, like, his early life and his childhood. Um, I'm going to kind of just talk through his life and as I talk through his life I'm going to talk about some of the stories that he wrote and then the inspiration behind them um, all the way through to like to like where he's at today. Is he like a Tim Burton I'm so inspired by my life this is where I'm most yeah. because yeah. this is my this is I think my next choice is going to be Mr. Burton oh, and also we're very excited about the new yes Adam's Family Wednesday TV show. I'm Can't it. wait. I'm feeling it. I'm loving it. I'm so excited. Um, so I thought I'd start off with a quote from Stephen King. Ooh. My childhood was pretty ordinary, except from a very early age, I wanted to be scared. I just <laughs> did. I just, I was scared afterward. I wanted a light on because I was scared. There was something in the closet. My imagination was very active, even at a young age. Ooh, how young is that? Is, not ver- is that not very telling? Yeah, absolutely. And, and what little I, kid wants to be scared? Yeah, Jeez. that's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> she says, looking sideways. I, okay, like the way my um, parents' house was set up, you, I could sneak out of my bedroom and look through like the kitchen. There was like a window out into the lounge room and I could watch whatever movie they were watching. So I was really quiet. And so sometimes I would just be peeking in, watching whatever scary shit they were watching. Oh my God. Yeah, I um, think my mom I was like anti-scary. And it was like anti-scary. I didn't think I've ever seen my mom watch anything that you could even classify as PG kind of scary. Okay. Yeah, no, my parents, it, it, it was eclectic. There was like a lot of musicals, there was a lot of Roger and Hammerstein, but then there was a lot of. Scary <laughs> from like singing in the rain. Yeah. But then there's a lot movie. of my movies like that were on SBS and stuff, so like there was a lot of weird stuff. Um, so, Stephen King was born in Portland, Maine in 1947, so only a few years after my daddy. Is Portland the Twilight setting? I don't know anything Is about that? Twilight. <laughs> Well, it's scary, but in a different kind of way. I hear, I hear there's glitter and vampires. Yeah, it rains a lot. That's yeah. why I thought Portland. Okay. I have to Google see if I'm right. Not that you care about Twilight, and you shouldn't because it's a trash. It's a trashical. <laughs> um, he was the second son of Donald and Nellie Ruth Pillsbury King. His father deserted the family when Stephen King was only a toddler. Pillsbury. Yeah. Like the donut. Um, And he and his brother David were raised by their mother predominantly. So they moved around a lot in his childhood, um, (laughs) but his mother eventually settled with the two boys in Durham, Maine, where her parents lived. Um, They were quite old and sickly, so she helped to look after them. Um, Family kind of gave them a place to stay um, and looked after them um, because she was looking after the parents. Um, and then she, when they passed, she ended up taking a job at a facility for mentally challenged people. 
and when she wasn't able to afford a babysitter which was almost all the time mm. because single mother yep. working like you know pretty pretty menial job um, she would give the boys books to read and ask them to read them to each other then when she got home she would test them Oh my god, I love that. To check, to make sure. So she would ask them questions, almost like a reading comprehension. My dad used to do that because he didn't believe that I could finish a book as quickly as I said. So he would just read it. And I was like, the babysitter's club. It wasn't that judging. (laughs) He would pick it up and like turn to like page 97. This character said what? And I'd be like, and he'd be like, damn it. (laughs) Fine. Fine. You win this round. Um, So she would like quiz them and check. I love that. So I'm like, oh, that's like just to make sure they weren't like. Yeah. Yeah, to make sure they weren't like just, you know, running the streets and being crazy. Um, so as kind of indicated by the, the quote at the start, um, from an early age, Stephen King was scared of lots of different things and wanted a light on, um, so that he could sleep at night. And this is where it gets a bit interesting. Um, so some attribute his really macabre, dark personality to a traumatic incident that occurred in his childhood. His de- he described the event saying, according to mum, I had gone off to play at the neighbor's house, a house that was near a rail- railroad line. About an hour after I left, I came back, she said, as white as a ghost. I would not speak for the rest of the day, would not tell her why I'd not waited to be picked up or phoned that I wanted to come home. I would not tell her why my chum's mum hadn't walked me back, but had allowed me to come alone. It turned out that the kid I'd been playing with had been run over by a freight train while playing on or, um, on or crossing the tracks. Years later, my mother told me they had picked up the pieces in a wicker basket. Oh my god, like while they were playing together? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, so obviously, like, the chum's mum was too busy looking up, like, trying to, like, devastated, trying to, you know, help her yeah. son in any way. And he, he just, just walked back oh home, like, traumatised. Why does a ghost refuse to talk? Okay, the fact you keep calling him chum makes me think of dog food and he said I know, he sorry. Food, yeah. I was like, oh, but that's where Friend. my brain went because I am macabre. Yeah. Also. Jesus. Yeah, that, yeah. that'll stuff you up. I'm like, huh. Yeah. And it's so, it's weird because, like, he kind of dismisses just how significant that event is. God, come on, mate. It wasn't until he wrote um, essentially, a, a, like, a autobiography um, talking through, um, you know, his writing process that he actually makes mention of it. But in interviews and stuff, when it's says. mentioned, he never really gives it much weight. And so like, I wonder and, but he was wanted, quite young. You just maybe you put that in there. What do they call it? You dis, disassociate because yeah. you don't want to. Yeah. That's crazy. That's he, was, that. he was quite young, like a small child when this happened. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, that'll, that'll I'm like, that, that'll, that'll, do that, it to you. that'll do it. Um, so, moving on into teenage years, um, Stephen's brother Dave started his own newspaper called Dave's Rag. <laughs> and Stephen wrote stories and other yeah. articles for the magazine. Dave created a drum press and developed a printing machine that he would use at home to then print. Adorable. To Love print it. their newspaper. The brothers then distributed the magazine around the city and amongst their schoolmates. That's so cute. And Stephen's stories were humorous and very quickly became a hit. So um, Stephen, at this time, was inspired a lot by science fiction, horror, crime, and mystery novels, magazines, movies, and television shows. Um, he also found inspiration in life and in work. Stephen King's first job, what do you think? Ooh, mm, I want to say he worked at a butcher. Grave digger. Ooh, 
Yeah. Oof. All right. So he spent nights. I like how old. Uh, as a teenager. Oh, he spent nights and weekends digging holes for the dead. Mm-hmm. The job inspired him to write I Was a Teenage Grave Robber. Yep. And ended up being the first story he ever got published. I love so, so it funny. ended up appearing in um, a fanzine called Comics Review in 1965, and he didn't get paid for it, but it was his first start at like published writing. <laughs> Can you imagine where did you get the idea for this? My life, you know, just yeah, I used to do it on the weekends. That's what I do. So I get paid. My, my weekends. I wonder how much you get paid to be a grave digger. Like, do you get paid by the hour? Do you get paid by the hole? I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> that might be something it. we need to look into. Um, so moving on, Stephen King then went uh, to school and university in the area. He wrote a column for the school newspaper mm-hmm. and was active in student politics. Um, he sold his first story at 19 years old called The Glass Floor and earned a whopping $35. Yes. Um, making that big cash. Um, he graduated from the University of Maine in 1970 with a bachelor's degree in English, which mm. meant that he was qualified to teach English at a high school Can level. Can you imagine Stephen King as your high school English teacher? I know. It would be the best thing It would blow planet. my freaking brain. I'm so mad. Uh, I would have... Uh, oh. Just oh, to be a fly the creativity on the wall. Yeah. In the oh my lord. Um, so he was unable to find work straight after graduation, so he wrote and sold short stories to men's magazines and worked for an industrial laundry. And what does that even mean? What's an industrial laundry? Um, not like a laundromat. No. Not like a drag team. Yeah, so I would I would think like, you know, hotels and stuff how oh, they yeah, have mass sense. amounts of yeah, laundry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking Not like the Shawshank Redemption, you know, mm. the big laundry there. That's that's what <laughs> I'm thinking. Without that trauma. Maybe that's where he got them. Maybe where he got them. Um, <laughs> he met his future wife. Where do you think he met his future wife? It's real cute. Oh, I feel like I, I need to know. I need, is it like in the macabre genre? It's in a genre that applies to him. Mm. To both of them, actually. Oh my God, I don't know. I, he met her in a... Great. No. <laughs> I was going to ask no. like at a mortuary. No, in a library. See that? Damn it! I went. Oh yeah, more obvious. Um, so he met her at um, in the show amongst That's the shelves of the Fogler Library, and they married in 1971. It's adorable. We're just looking for a book. You're like, pull. I'm imagining the book gets pulled out. You meet eyes through the gap. Yep. And you're like, hey. Sup? How you doing? Sup? Want to marry me? Cool. Wicked. Awesome. Get uh, in the library, that would be so cute. <laughs> so cute. Um, he then actually did find a teaching job in English at Hampton Academy in the same year, earning $6,400 a year. Stop it. Well, Wish I could. you know what? American teachers, you guys get screwed just yeah, FYI. Royally. Um, so Tabitha refused to let Stephen take a higher paying job because by being a teacher, he still had enough time to write. Oh, okay. And had holidays and stuff. Yeah. So she encouraged him to write and even gave him her own typewriter. She is also an author. Adorable. So she gave him her own typewriter and encouraged him to work on his stories. I love the clickety clack of typewriters. I, I know. Find it, like, it seems so much more romantic to write on the I know. Than rather than just like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I it's like cute. the picture of him sitting there. Like, Same. Like, Same. Um, and she she is actually the one who found the original draft pages of Carrie in a bin. What? No, next to his desk. Threw it away. And Stop. ordered him to keep writing it. Yeah, it's such a good story. Yeah. It, horrendous. It is but the so clever. it is the first novel he published. That's amazing. So the inspiration for Carrie. Oh god. Okay. Pimp. Pimp. 
I'm very excited to hear that. There's, I'm there's multiple different sections. Okay. And so the first bit, the shower scene, um, mm. actually came from his time working as a janitor in a high school. Um, he noticed that the girls' showers, unlike the boys, had curtains held by mm. chrome rings. So the boys' ones didn't have any curtains. Oh, okay. It's just open. Um, so then he imagined a locker room, no curtains, a girl starting her period, not understanding what's happening to her, and other girls tormenting her for that. That's such a weird idea, like a weird idea for a dude to think like what would be the... But I guess like, in, you know, your experience of high school, with, like particularly with boys and girls, like you, you would only ever know the boys' locker room. So yeah. the only time you'd ever see the girls' locker room is if you like snuck in there, which you, you know really shouldn't do. Um, you really shouldn't do. Really, really Don't shouldn't do. do. That. Um, or as a janitor after yeah. and like it's after hours and he's just like, oh, this is so different from what I imagined. I just thought it was like the boys one, but yeah. like not. And so, you know, that having is, your first period is super traumatic too, especially if you knew nothing about it. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing is like, so that scene is so iconic. Yeah. It, like it comes from it's such terrifying. an interesting place. Then there's the telekinesis component yeah um so stephen king actually read an article in life magazine that suggested that some poltergeist activity is actually telekinesis and there was some evidence to show that young people especially girls in adolescence around the time of their first period might have such powers i need to need i need to see this i know i'm like i i want to read this life magazine where where is your evidence i that sounds like a whole what evidence who is your sample who is your sample i don't okay (laughs) if her name is carrie white then i don't know because i feel like you made this Mm -hmm. up okay so yeah i read that that i'm like no really so weird no i can just imagine people being like oh you know hormones women first period and you know we're all witches so Clearly, we have powers. We are. Yeah. We're the best. We are the widow's mister. Um, and then the actual character of Carrie was inspired by two different girls that King went to high school with. Oh, wow. Okay. So the first girl was one who was bullied mercilessly because she wore the same clothes every single day. Mm-hmm. And the other girl um, was one whose mother had a massive crucifix hanging over their living room couch. He mm-hmm. remembers moving furniture for her. And thinking, if such a gigantic icon had fallen when the two of them were watching TV, the person it fell on would almost certainly have been killed. It's such a, it's such an interesting interpretation of seeing something like that as well, yeah. like the way his mind works. Where yeah. If I saw, I'd be like, Jesus Christ, it's a Jesus <laughs> Christ, <laughs> a freaking huge crucifix. Yeah. That's where my brain would go, be like, why do you need it to be so big? Not yeah. oh, if that falls down, someone's going. Yeah, die. and that's the thing. Like, how telling is that of his mind? Yeah. he's just like moving a couch for a woman, and is like, mm, if that falls down, that could be dangerous. That could murder you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, okay. Everything is potentially, potentially death. So it's kind of like Final Destination, everything is a threat. Oh my god, I love those movies too. <laughs> like, uh oh, look around, everything is potentially going to kill Randomly, you. I had a kid pick Final Destination, and at first I was like, hey, what do you mean? To, uh, and they, I can't remember what they're going to compare it with now, but it's something to do with like fate and destiny. I want to say it's a Shakespeare play. Oh. Um, and they're going to pair this idea of like fate and destiny, like you don't have a choice, and it's really clever. Because at first I was like, Final Destination, it's just a horror I, film. And that's the thing, is it's like, I love, I watch it because I like trashy horror yeah. movies. Yeah, but I was like, you know what, that's actually it's really It's actually clever. really Because there's this idea of, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was They, they sold it to me, and they're like, what if I compare it? I think they're going to do Romeo and Juliet or something. This idea of like, and because it's such a different genre, it's oh. like horror, and then like this love destiny, but these choices, you think you have these choices, but what's actually happening it's is. It's Yeah. I was like, you know what? 
smart. I never oh. thought about that way. And then I went back and, but then I didn't realize, oh, and now I'm like, um, I said, well, the very first one, that's a really old movie for you because that came out when I was a teenager. Like, no, there's like number six, number seven. Yeah, And it's like a prequel, it all links back to the first one. Really? Yes, yeah, so oh the very God. last one links back to you the very first movie. Well, I now know what I'm watching tonight. Yes, yeah, so I was like, oh, if you do that one, and it links back to the first one, you can make connections with that, and it has, like, even more. I was like, that's really smart. That is so clever. Yeah. I love that. But, yeah, Final huh. Destination is great so interesting. I have to, I, never, I watched the first two, and then I stopped, because there's, like, seven of them now. I watched, like, the first five, I want to say. Yeah, and so then trashy. I, and I, I love them so much. And De- Devin Sawyer, I yeah. say, he's in it, yeah. Yeah. Bless his little comic socks. Um, so, in 1973, Doubleday and Co. accepted the novel Carrie for publication. Doubleday. Um, yes, okay. Doubleday. Love it. Um, resulting in a $2,500 advance. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Better than $35. Is, isn't it just? The novel sold 30,000 copies, like, early on. Okay. Um, and made $200,000, and then New America Library spent $400,000 for the paperback rights. Awesome. So, nice. this was a this was finally a little bit of a payday. Yeah. Um, so the Kings moved closer to Stephen's mother because she was quite unwell. Um, and he began writing um, Second Coming, which was then renamed Jerusalem's Lot, which then finally became Second Coming. Salem's Lot. Yes. Um, his mother died from uterine cancer at age 59. Um, Carrie so was then... I know. And that's the thing. It's so sad because, like, he was so close with his mother. Yeah. She was the one that raised them. Mm. And so they they tried to move closer because yeah. she was unwell and then yeah she passes. It's just horrible. sad. Um, so Carrie was officially published in 1974 and the Kings moved, moved to Boulder, Colorado. And while they were there, they visited an old hotel mm. up in the mountains near the end of season. Yeah. He found the place's empty hallways very unsettling Jeez, and envisioned a story of an old alcoholic man and just okay the inspiration from this stephen king was actually really like a raging alcoholic see didn't know that yeah so he envisaged a story of a man like himself an alcoholic taking care of a place like that through the winter and that's where the shining started to kind of like because is the sh- okay. is the hotel that he actually went to they've like renovated it or something you can go and stay there or you could or something yeah like on purpose after yeah. the you can go and stay there and it's like this whole like horror mm. idea or something supposed to be like the macabre can go stay there or something yeah i was like would i want to go like part of me goes that would be cool and the other part of me is like i'm very easily scared i would definitely go i would be terrified it's like i want to i want to go to the cecil hotel oh jesus yeah mm. i'm a weirdo um so the shining became king's third novel and his first hardcover bestseller Ooh. uh the kings then moved again they moved numerous times including a brief stint in england then, after the film adaptation of Carrie by Brian De Palma in 1976, paperback sales increased. Absolutely, they would. Yeah, which allowed Stephen to churn out even more novels. Interesting, and because he apparently doesn't like a lot of the interpretations. This is the only thing I know. The only, yeah, the only one he really despises is The Shining. The Shining, yeah. Which I find really interesting, because I actually really enjoy that movie. Mm. But I do like the book better. And I can see why he would be pissed, because it's not. It's, it's not the it's, same. It's a bit of a bastardization of the book. Yeah. I mean, it worked. Like, I watched the movie before I read the book. Yeah. And then when I read the book, I was like, oh, there's lots of... I think he thinks it's too Hollywood. Yes. Which is, yeah. Because was I mean, that was that one of Jack... Well, Jack, yeah, Jack was Nicholson. already famous. Yeah. But was that one of his big yeah. things? Like, I wonder if having someone who nobody knew would have worked. Yeah. 
but also like he hated Shelley Duvall's acting. And this is what I mean, it's so Like, so it seems did Stanley Kubrick, who was an absolute bastard to To her. her. Yeah, and this is what I mean. Break her, and then she left, she left, like, acting. She never did anything again. I wonder now, like, if you, because you know, lots of times authors are now on the, on the lot when they make it, and, um, they literally talk to them and say, how we need to change this? How we need to change this thing because it's not going to work for the screen. Mm. How would you write it if we were going to change it? And then the author kind of does it and so it stays yeah. true to their vision. And that's the thing is he wasn't involved in it at and all. And this is what I mean. So now I wonder if they did a remake and he mm. was involved in it, what would it be like? Yeah. People, you should remake The Shining. Uh, yeah. Make I reckon he's happy with it. I reckon Jordan Peele should do it. I oh really God, like him. So cool. Yeah, um, <laughs> so then the Kings returned to Maine and Stephen worked at the University of Maine, which is actually the university he went to. Cute. Um, on his like travels to and from the uni, he would notice a whole bunch of dead cats and dogs lying along the side of the road. Yeah. No. And the same fate befell his daughter's cat. And Stephen had to explain the death to his daughter, and then they buried the cat in the nearby woods, and this inspired Pet, Pet Cemetery, Cemetery because he imagined a place where dead animals and even people you know, it's the came one, back to life but were fundamentally wrong. It's the one Stephen King book I can't read because it's about dead animals. I can't mm. do it. Same. I, I have it on my shelf and I can't. I, I won't even. I won't. I'm, I bought it. Talk about the movie, the book. I'm like, nope. I bought it. Nope. I watched the movie and I was like, I can't read this. I, I just can't. Anything, like, and you know, there's like, does the dog die.com or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't make mm-hmm. myself read it. I'm sure it's amazing because mm-hmm. he's great. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, it's no, it's no, literally no. on my shelf, the only Stephen King novel that I have that <laughs> I have not read. Do it. Because I bought it, like, yeah, oh, because I was going through a real Stephen King, mm. like, kit. Like, I was obsessed. Um, and then I was I just can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't. Kill all the people in the world. Just not the animals, please. Not, Thank not you. Not yeah, exactly. Like John Wick, the beginning of John Wick. Can't watch the first 10 minutes. I have to skip it. Yeah. It's like the main, yeah. you know, like, catalyst at the beginning of the movie. Oh, my wife said. Also, now my dog said, I'm going to go, like, kick the crap out of everybody. And I can't watch the first 10 Whereas I can watch it because I'm like, yes, kill everyone. <laughs> I'm like, no, not the dog. Yeah, that guy deserves to die. That guy deserves oh, to die. Because one person was like, he kills everybody because of a dog that's stupid. I'm like, you hurt my dog. I will kill you. You best watch yourself. You better get away from me because you're watch. a job. Yeah. Hey, you better check yourself before you before you wreck, rickety yeah. wreck yourself. No, it touches me. Um, in 1982, he released a book titled Different Seasons, a collection of four novellas. The book featured two non-horror stories that would then go on to become two of the most loved films in history. The Body, which became Stand By Me, mm-hmm. and Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, Yay! which became The Shawshank Redemption. And such a good movie adaptation Isn't of it? that, too. Oh, I mean, they so leave good. some things out because it would be long, but... Yeah. But it was only it's short, like, it was literally 99 pages. Yeah, it's a beautiful... I think, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he likes that interpretation, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. It's a lovely movie. It is a great movie. We'll do it one day. Yeah. In Talking Texas. Yes, definitely. Um, interestingly enough, Stephen King had a fear of flying. And so he would often ride his motorcycle across the country for signings and for events. Motorcycles are so much safer. Oh yes! Yeah, like, why would you not encapsulate yeah. yourself in a car? Yeah. Why a sir, motorcycle? Sir, just, motorcycles are so dangerous. Your fears don't make sense to me. <laughs> surprise, surprise! King broke down on one of these trips and needed a mechanic to help him with his bike. <laughs> Instead, a massive growling Saint Bernard charged at him. <laughs> and. I know. I was. I could. I was trying to picture it, and I was yeah, like, I "What must the owner have done to make this thing enough. aggressive?" They're so sweet. 
unruly. According to Stephen, the mechanic barely stopped the dog from biting him <gasps> by bashing it with a wrench. Well, see, that's why the dog is pissed. I was like, this friends? is why you've got an aggressive dog. She freaking trauma. Head trauma. Like the most it's calm got temperament. constant concussion. I'd be angry that's too. Cool. He should have kicked that mechanic in the head for beating his dog. Pretty much. The but the dog attack led to him riding Cujo. <laughs> So there's like oh, all these, yeah, okay. there's all these like weird like weird intersections between his life and his work. I wonder if he was afraid of dogs then. Do you no. know what I mean? Like if I'm, yeah. like Saint Bernards are beautiful, but they're they huge, are. and if one came like all running around you, yeah, you know, and did not look happy, you'd be like, oh, shit. oh shit, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but interesting. Oh, see, I could just Saint Bernards with like the. Barrel, yes, all of them just like why? running why? with the barrel. Why that image? Why both of us that image? <laughs> um, that's the, that's the time, isn't yeah, it? really so cute, genuinely. Um, so despite all of his success, King suffered from addiction. Um, before he made it big, he was an alcoholic. Then, as he gained more yep. um, notoriety and had more money, he got into pills. He smoked weed, which, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Goes in the ground. Um, it's and, natural. And started snorting coke. Oh, okay. That bothered yeah. so much. Yeah. Although they did used to keep you in hospitals, people. They yeah. used to use it as a medicine. Yeah. I'm just saying. I don't think that's what he was using. No. no. Um, so his addiction was at its height in the 80s, and he barely remembers writing a lot of his novels. Oh, wait. That that's the period. one thing I do remember reading. Yeah. So he barely remembers writing Cujo. Um, and a lot of his writing happened when he was on Benders. So one example is his 304-page novel, The Running Man, which he wrote in 10 days. Jeez. On yeah, because he's like freaking hyped up on coke. Yep. And the book became another hit. And it's it was a movie. isn't it? Like, with is, Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. How brilliant and twisted is his mind? Yes. He can, on a 10-day bender, yeah. high out of his mind, yeah. produce a best-selling book. Yeah. Or does that reflect on the rest of us that we... Could my mind be better if I was like, oh, no. Or is it that <laughs> the rest of us are freaking crazy and we can't recognize that a man high on drugs for a divorce? And so we think it's good, but actually it's just... This is genius. It's actually just the rantings <laughs> of a crazy person. Which is, I don't know. Uh, we'll never you know. know. We may never know. Who cares? Um, so his poor wife, Tabitha, threatened to leave him numerous times. Yes. At this point, they had um, three kids. Jeez. So she's having to deal with... You know, him yeah. kind of being like almost like an absent father because he's like on these benders. He would like shut himself off in in like the basement room and type yeah. and write, and and he was just like insufferable to be around. Absolutely. So his friends eventually held an intervention. They um, raided his office and showed him everything they took out of it. There were empty beer cans, cigarette butts, Coke, Xanax, Valium, Nyquil, cough medicine, and weed. <laughs> Oh, that combination is yeah. brutal. I'm like, that sounds Not like cool. the worst cocktail I could yeah. ever imagine. Yeah, no good. Um, so uh, finally King decided to seek help, and he has been sober ever since the late 80s. That's amazing. Yeah. So, like, it's fucked. But, but it, it's know. usually, like, because some people you can um, confront them with their substance abuse, and they still refuse to see that as a problem. Yeah. Or like it'll be fine or they relapse or whatever and yeah. to go from like that one i'm sure it wasn't obviously a linear process but to be like confronted with that and be like oh yeah okay you know it's and one then, thing if it's just like oh you're drinking too much okay yeah but, but it's like things. everything it's like and mm. to give up all of those things at one time is like it's a lot can you oh my god i remember like, i remember going to the doctor in year 12 because my mom thought i was really sick because i had when i was on a crazy like diet not eating i would drink like two liters of coke a day but i wouldn't eat i would just be drinking coke 
and then I tried to be more healthy air quotes about my diet so I ate 800 calories a day and swapped yeah mm -hmm. well it was better than no calories a day but um, I swapped my coke for caffeine free diet coke which has no sugar and no caffeine my mum thought I was like what the hell is wrong with you my hands were shaking brown? Like, my eyes like my hands were shaking I was pale I went to the doctor and he's like oh you have you haven't started changed I'm like oh I gave up coke how much reaching me Tommy's like yeah that's called caffeine withdrawal that was yeah. just caffeine yep and I was just like, it was brutal for a week. <laughs> oh, Jesus. He literally was like, you need to go buy the normal Diet Coke and not the caffeine-free Diet Coke. And like, we you can't, you can't remove sugar and caffeine It was, and that in was, one go when you had been drinking it like every day. I thought this one that was nothing really. You think about it, people go, yeah. oh yeah, oh, I haven't had my Let daily my coffee hard, out of it. Yes. <laughs> and it was horrible. Like if I don't have my I daily coffee, daily, I get a headache. I haven't had my daily snort of Coke. Yeah, I haven't had my snort daily coffee. Coke. I'm a little, it's hilarious. I don't know how. I, I don't know. Stick this. I don't think Coke. I'm talking about drinking Coke if I didn't specify. Like, yeah. stick that straw But I was like, if I don't have my daily coffee, I like get a headache. Yeah. Because I have a coffee in the morning and I have a coffee on my way to work. And I don't usually drink it again until nighttime. But if I don't have that daily coffee, I'm like, man, I didn't feel good. Imagine giving all of that up at one time. <laughs> what would the withdrawal? You know what? I don't. I don't I'm know. imagining one of those um, movies know. where the withdrawal is like the throwing up and yeah. the sweating and the yeah. hospitalization. And yeah. Surely. Oh, yeah. Seeing like little hints of like Requiem for a Dream and Transbody. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just nasty. Like I did a ten day bender and I wrote a three hundred and four page novel to I give all of this up at one go. Yeah, that can't have been good. It's just <laughs> it's a lot. It's it's a lot. It's brave though. Like that's very. Yeah. So it's okay. So it's it's really it's really really interesting that like he was he was able to considering <laughs> considering how yeah, how, yeah the height of his addiction. Um, so even though Stephen King was writing and publishing anywhere between one and three novels almost every year, That's like if you go, if you go and have a look at his, like, look. it's anywhere between one and three every single year. That's um, crazy. He suffered from imposter syndrome and started publishing books under a pseudonym. Oh, now this bit action you as well, because yeah. I was like, why you were already doing so well? I know. So he used the pseudonym Richard Barkman after his favorite band, the Barkman Turnover, Turner Overdrive. Never and the first it. book he published in 1977 was titled Rage. The novel was about a troubled teenage boy named Charlie Decker who shoots his algebra teacher and a history teacher who tries to enter the room where he's keeping students hostage. The plot of Rage seemed all too realistic in the 80s and 90s. And you know now. Yes. So school shootings became increasingly more common across America. Then in 1997, yet another shooting happened, but this time it hit King far too close to home. Um, after the teenager shot eight people in Kentucky, detectives found a copy of Rage in his locker and King demanded his publisher take the book out of print. And it remains so to this day. That's crazy. Yeah. And then you think about like Catch It in the Rye and how many school shooters, serial killers have been like, I'm inspired by Catch and Ryan. No one's ever thought about well, they have talked about it, but like Yeah. That's a big call. Yeah. Take that book down, I don't want. Yeah, I don't want I don't want it. No. And it's it's so so interesting. And that would have been oh God, that would F you up for sure. Wouldn't it? Just to be like even even though you know you have to know that it, it's it's not your fault. It's not your fault. But there are bigger things at play. You would still feel guilty. Absolutely. Oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah. So this last bit is also a little bit crazy. Okay. Um, so King's life changed at 4.30 p.m. on June 19th, 1999. He was walking near his house when a van driven by Brian Edwin Smith ran into him. 
Smith claimed he was distracted by his dog. The van hit King so hard that his glasses flew right off of his face and landed inside the van itself. What? He flew 14 feet, i.e. 4.2 meters. I was about to say, I need a translation, please. Otherwise, we're going to have to step it out. Yep, otherwise, we're going to measure it. Before landing in a ditch. People on the scene found him lying in a heap, his leg clearly broken. He described his injuries, stating, the extent of those lower leg injuries necessitated two deep incisions, they're called medial and lateral fasciotomies, to release the pressure caused by my exploding tib- exploded tibia and also allow blood to flow back into my lower leg. If it hadn't been for the fasci- fasciotomies or if they had been delayed, it probably would have been necessary to amputate my leg. My right knee was split almost directly down the middle and I suffered an acetibular fracture of the right hip, a serious derailment in other words, and an open femoral antitrachanteric fracture, sorry, um, in the same area. My spine was chipped in eight places, oh. four ribs were broken, my right collarbone held, but the flesh above it had been stripped raw. Oh my The God. laceration in my scalp took almost 30 stitches. Jesus, I mean, I can see where the inspiration for this is going, and I really, really mm. love that book, but what? The actual fuck, I was distracted by my dog. You almost literally killed this dude. Do you, do you know how he was distracted? He was grabbing a beer from the <gasps> esky behind Stop his. Him. Yeah, and the dog was like excited. Yeah. So. Just one of those injuries made me flinch, and then you kept going. I was like, oh my god. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to vomit. That's why I was like, I'm going to quote his own description of that's his crazy. injuries because I don't think you understand the full extent until you hear it. Oh my god. So, yeah, and just, I broke a few bones and then you go into it you're like, oh, holy shit, literally half your body was like, fuck. So the doctors managed to save King's leg by using it, an external fixator, mm-hmm. i.e. they had to screw rods into King's mm-hmm. bones through his skin, then attach them to an exterior frame to support mm-hmm. it. I've seen like pictures, yeah. like, not of him, but like pictures no, of people but they in look like stuff. They look like a horror film it contraption. Like it like looks like something from Saw you. or something yeah, like, like that. Like trying to torture you, but they're literally horrendous. holding everything in place and you yeah. have to be there for like yeah. weeks. So the doctors prescribed OxyContin um, for the pain, mm, yeah. and while it helped at first, yep. King that soon makes... found himself addicted. However, with the help of his family, he did manage to kick the habit. I was like, you've done it once. And also, this is not like I just got Oxy off the street. Yeah. Like, I had this severely traumatic, yeah. debilitating pain. And that's the thing, is like, he had to have, like, essentially, like, um, walking sticks. Yeah. It'll be horrendous. For a long period yeah. um, while he was still healing. So many people say that when they get prescribed oxy and stuff like that for pain that it's so easily addictive because you get used to that, oh, it gets rid of my pain and now I feel better. And mm. then you just need it all the time. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like, uh, I, can, I, can kind of, I kind of understand the prescription meds thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like there have been a few times where I've been prescribed things like because of all of the organs I've had removed. <laughs> and, you know... It, like the, I can see how the feeling is nice. I don't yeah. like it. I like I having control sick. over my body. I also feel real nauseous. Yeah, I I don't I don't like it, but I can see how some people yeah. it would really. It makes you, they make you feel like um, euphoric, like yeah, drunk, and also you feel, yeah, like you feel real spacey, like nothing's mm. really real. You kind of feel like you're a bit floaty. Yeah, but it, it makes yeah, I don't like the not being in control part of it. Yeah. That's why I don't even like taking neurofen unless I like, even if I have a migraine, I'd rather go lay down and go to sleep. Yeah, I'd rather drink rather some water and just yeah, unless it's like my period is the only time I used to take painkillers because it was so bad and you like you can't take two three days off every month no you know you can't do it no. it's the only time yeah i hate it my yeah. husband's like just take some here for your headache i'm like no no <laughs> I'm like, 
never. But I understand it, yeah. Yeah. So the driver, Brian Edwin Smith, was charged with driving to endanger an aggravated assault. Doesn't sound like enough. Turns out he had 11 previous convictions for speeding and driving under the influence. Stop it. He was eventually sentenced to, guess how long? I want to say like 10 years minimum, but I feel like it's not going to be. Six months behind bars. Shut the fuck up. And had his license suspended for a year. Plus he'd already done some time while they were, so he didn't end up doing a full six months. You shut your face right now. I don't understand the justice system. Don't, don't worry. It, it comes back. Okay. Does he so, get hit by a car and die? No. Because that would be common. No. Okay. Um, a year after the accident, authorities found Smith's body in his trailer. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some coincidences between Stephen King and Brian Edwin Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, he had overdosed on painkillers that were not unlike the ones that King was addicted to okay. and had been prescribed. Smith passed on Stephen King's birthday. Is that not weird? Um, yes. But so like, that's, amazing. That's quite not, like, not amazing, like, oh my God, I'm glad the dude died, but like, horrific. that is crazy. But like, what a coinky thing. Yeah. Um, oh my God, I wonder if he did it on purpose. I'm missing. Um, during an interview with Brian um, Gumble a few Bryant Gumble a few years after the accident, Stephen King noted that he and Brian Smith were both given the same middle name of Edwin. That's weird, really nice. That is super weird. Um, so it was really it was interesting because Smith was actually like was frustrated because because he'd hit someone that was a celebrity, mm. like obviously he was painted in a very negative light and he's like it wouldn't have been as like the he wouldn't have been persecuted as heavily had it not been a celebrity. And it's kind of like, yeah, but you were still You were drinking while you were But driving. also the amount of pain you've put this man through, it doesn't matter if he has lots yeah. of money, it doesn't matter if he's a celebrity, like the he had to have like a freaking external fix. And lucky, and, and also you're lucky that you actually didn't get a heavier penalty because he was a celebrity. Because that tends to be kind of what happens. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like oh, it was this person's beloved character, and, and so clearly he, he had a history with. I was gonna say eleven times. Yeah. And you only lost your license for one year. Yeah. You should just never be allowed to drive again. I mean, he didn't need to drive again. But yeah. So after Smith's passing, King worried that Smith's fan would end up in the hands of some twisted fan. Yeah, well, yeah. So to stop that from happening, King bought the vehicle for $1,500. Jesus. He subsequently shipped it off to a junkyard to be crushed. Mm-hmm. Because you wouldn't want that around your house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. King had fantasies about smashing the van himself, but mm. his dreams never came true. Damn it, man. I want to but it did end up getting crushed. Um, so Stephen King used the story of his accident as an inspiration for the final novel of the Dark, t- uh, the Dark Tower series. He created a character named Brian Smith, modelled after the real man, but more reckless and dumb. Mm. In the novel, Smith is driving while high and gets distracted by his dog. Smith nearly strikes a character aptly named Steve, uh, Stephen King with his car, but instead hits and kills another character who pushes King out of the way. Um, conversations in the book are based on the real exchanges that took place between King and Smith while they waited for medical help. Can you imagine like what those conversations would be? Because one, you'd be incoherent with pain mm-hmm. and this dude's hit you, mm-hmm. but you need their help. Mm-hmm. Like the fuck would those conversations be like? Yeah. Nonsense. Yeah. So it's, like, it's, it's so interesting because like Smith kind of like blamed King for walking like on almost like a blind spot of the road. It's like, are you actually victim blaming right here? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Like is. his blood covered glasses landed in your, in your fucking car. van. Also, you were drinking, so you were distracted by and your so dog. The idea of everyone has a blind spot in their car, 
like you know no matter how what your car is like there is a blind spot there's a blind spot on the road then keep your fucking eyes on the road and don't reach for a beer my friend so you're being ridiculous yeah so also the dark tower series is freaking great but the movie adaptation was a travesty yeah did you see it uh no do not waste your time yeah it was terrible yeah i heard so i did it was not good i i saw it at the movies too oh i was so excited and i walked out and i was like i know I know. And I went with people who were way more into the like Dark Tower yeah. series than I was. Were you all disappointed? Yeah, well, I only knew the story. I hadn't actually read them. Yeah. So, like, oh, it sounds really cool. But I watched the movie and I was just like, this is a terrible movie. And how was the famous people in it, too? So I had yeah. hopes for it. But the two people I went with, one was a really good friend of mine, and then, like, a friend of his that was super into it. And they were just like, this is the What is this trend? They, they were so disappointed. Oh, sad. Yeah. yeah, it was not good. Dang. Um, so. Last little bit. Today, Stephen King has published 64 books, cool. written 200 short stories, sold more than 400 million copies of his novels, and is worth $400 million. His two sons are also writers, oh, and his yeah. daughter is a church minister. Wow. Is that, I also found that really interesting. That is really interesting, because I can't imagine their household being religious. religious. No, it wasn't. Yeah. But she's That's married to a minister as well. Okay. So it's like a that churchy family. Can you imagine, like, my dad writes about all these horror things and, like, what the evil beings and supernatural. <laughs> I wonder if she found comfort in religion yeah. because of those things. I don't know. It's so funny. But it's, like, I've... Have you ever read any of his son's books? No. So I've read Horns by Joe Hill, who is his son. Okay. And it's really good. Is it kind of the, in the same language? Yeah. Like, well... That would make sense, yeah. wouldn't it? Like, who else do you need to go and get advice from? Essentially. So, like, in the film adaptation, it's Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, my God. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie, but I've, I've seen the trailer. Like, he wakes up and he's got, like, these little nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and eventually horns sprout. Um, and, like, it's 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 intense. Well, can you imagine you get writer's block? Oh, my dad's Stephen King. Like, Dad! Who, like, who? Dad, what do you think? Dad! Guy grows horns. Good, bad. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, if you got stuck, you'd be like, yeah. all right, well, who better to get advice from than, like, the king of all the freaking horror genre? King. Yeah. <laughs> like, my dad, Stephen King. I think I'm good. Uh, yeah. What's really funny is when I was doing the research for this, dear God, Stephen King's a weird-looking dude. He is a weird-looking guy. But also, he was really disheveled and weird-looking, like, as a young man, too. Like, he but looks crazy. It's kind of like when you look up Tim Burton. Yeah. You know, and you're like, this is, like, he's a weird-looking dude, but yeah. he was a weird-looking kid, and yeah. he's just like, this is the same. Yeah. yeah. It's so, it's so, so interesting. Like, he looks like a horror writer. Yeah, he like absolutely he fits in. You're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, he totally does. Like, just look at that face. Like, that's the face of a horror writer. He also <laughs> looks like he's about to give you a really stern lecture. A little bit. In the pictures. A little so bit. Like, um, let me tell you about why your life is wrong. Okay, that one's terrifying. That one reminds me of The Shining. We'll put that one on the Instagram. Yeah. Because you just That's just it, golden. I love that. Um, anyway, so that is the story. That's crazy. The car crash thing blew my mind. Yeah. Like, that did yeah. my brain in. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, that was excellent. I didn't know. I, I realized that I knew a little bits and pieces because I reckon I listened to a true crime podcast or something. It might have even been My Favorite Murder or something. They talked about Stephen King. They did like an episode on him randomly. I can't remember what the podcast was. And I then I remembered hearing about the alcoholism and something else because it was like about an interview he had done about a true crime. I wonder if it was about the shooting or something and I just didn't remember. Mm. And I was like, oh, I do know a couple of things about him that I didn't actually realize that I knew. Yeah. There you go. I didn't know his son was a horror writer. That's adorable. Yeah. Dad, Dad, I need your help. <laughs> so good. Love it. That's so cute. I love that. I really enjoy that. 
Anyway, that was a toy toy episode. It was. Um, hope you have a great day. I think you can be dismissed. Bye. Bye.